Welcome to the Aging Answer Show, where we discuss tips, trends, and topics for the 65-plus crowd. I'm Gina March of the Mary Culver Home for Visually Impaired Women, located in downtown Kirkwood. We've been caring for elderly, visually impaired women since 1866. Today, my guest is Mark Easley of the uh, Elder and Estate Planning Law Firm. And I want to say welcome, Mark. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. How long have you been uh, practicing law? Been practicing law for 25 years next year. Well, you don't look old enough to be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I rem- Some days I remember every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me uh, what an elder planning, uh, an elder attorney. Yep, is. elder law attorney. Elder law. Elder attorney. law. That's kind of the, the term of art. Um, and I will say that the, an elder law attorney is the term of art that came into an, to existence. About the time I started it, I practiced for five years in estate planning and then started the Elder and Estate Planning Law Firm, roughly 2001, and it was just beginning to have a name. Okay. And what it means is this. It really is a, a twofold practice. Uh, one is estate planning. You go to the lawyer to get your will, to get your power of attorney. Uh, in 2019, you probably should be expected to talk about the possibility of getting a living trust too. We're going to talk about that, why you would do that. Estate planning. Uh, And the other part is of the practice, which makes it not an estate planning practice, but an elder law practice, is that in addition to uh, doing estate planning, doing documents, keeping your matters out of of, uh, court, uh, is the elder law side is also planning for long-term care. Okay, and that is uh, how much will I have to spend on long-term care? Are there things I can do to reduce it? When will I qualify to have some some of my care or maybe all of my care paid for? Mark, can you help me apply for these programs? Yes, we can. That's the other that's the other side. And in addition to that, there is another side because I need to mention it because we're going to talk about it today. Uh, when you're doing planning ahead of time, which we would hope that most of our clients would do, all of our clients would do, we're avoiding court. We're avoiding guardianship court, having to go to court. Uh, to get a guardianship over a loved one, to be able to speak on their behalf. And after we pass away, we're trying to avoid probate court, trying to transfer assets after an individual passes away uh, without the assistance and the expense and the time-consuming nature of the probate court. Okay, That, at least in our office, and I think that's pretty accurate for most of us that do this, that's what elder law practice is, estate planning, adding in long-term care, and if we, whoops, didn't get something done, is going to court to get that taken care of. Okay. So tell us what probate is. So probate is a legal process by which an individual's assets are transferred to their chosen loved ones or people they didn't choose. We'll get to that in a minute. You don't have a will. Whom... um, Uh, to whomever is entitled to those, is going through that process of transferring assets after we pass away. uh, And the assets were titled in such a way that the probate process was required. And by that, I mean this. Let's get down to the nuts and bolts of it. Uh, That means you go to court. You go to court. You file a matter in a probate court. And you say, uh, Mark has passed away. Uh, He had a will. Um, and his assets uh, are entitled to go to his wife or his wife and his children. 
and the court supervises that, okay? They go through the will, they go through all of the uh, assets, they go through the process of uh, making sure that the assets go to the proper place. Uh, and the reason I think that we talk about that is that there's a fairly large expense that goes with that. I don't think it's as large of an expense as most people think. But it yeah, does happen. I've, to, yeah, I've blown it up in my mind. And absolutely. It's a terrible, terrible thing to you go know, through probate. That's, that's, exactly, that's exactly right. And I think that um, I, I think I, I, I try not to uh, treat probate as any type of boogeyman. But it does happen to be a fairly inefficient way to transfer your assets. Yeah. There is that. There's nothing to be afraid of. The people at the probate court are nice. Uh, but it does, <laughs> it does cost more. And it does take more time. Probably in St. Louis County right now, it probably takes a year to get all the assets through probate. Oh, boy. Okay. So it, 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 probate is a legal matter. You're filing a petition. You're going to an attorney. They go to court. They, they file the will if there is one. And uh, the court supervises that. Nothing wrong with any of that. Just happens to be fairly inefficient. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, what's the estate value limit before you need to petition the court to open a probate matter? Okay. Let me go through a couple of answers to that question that, that kind of covers that completely. One, th one thing to keep in mind is that when we're talking about having to go through probate, it is asset-driven. If we die without any assets, or if all of our assets don't have to go through probate, I think we're going to get to that, then we don't have to go to, through probate. You don't have to go to probate because someone passed away. You go through probate because someone passed away and they had an asset, which is in their name only, with no beneficiaries, and it was not in a trust, that uh, needs to be transferred to their chosen beneficiaries. That could be even like a house or a Absolutely. car or anything the, like that? Two of the most common right there. Okay. House and car are probably the two most common. Uh, absolutely. Anything. House, car, uh, our, um, our bank accounts, our investments. Assets. So assets. So anytime that we, anytime that we have um, an asset that needs to be uh, transferred after someone passes away, uh, then uh, we are talking about opening up a probate matter. So that's the first thing, is that um, the uh, we don't go to probate unless we have an asset that makes us do so. Uh, if not, we take care of our loved one and we didn't, have, we didn't have to worry about it. In terms of the asset limit, if we have an asset that does have to go through the probate process, there is an asset limit. There is a way to transfer an individual's assets after they pass away if either all they had in the in the world was less than 40,000 or the only asset that was left over that had to go through probate is less than 40,000 okay then we have a method that we can get that property transferred in a much more streamlined fashion the court's going to treat that as what is known as a small estate and what you're doing if you have so very common let me give you a very common scenario Somebody gets a beneficiary deed to transfer their house to their children. And then they also stick, put a child, I almost said stick a child. I'm trying to be, they put a child, right? Let's, let's talk a little more uh, properly here. Uh, they put a child on as a beneficiary uh, on their bank account. Let's say they had a daughter that helped them. This is an, let's say my, in my hypothetical, this is an elderly lady. And she needed help handling her finances. So she put her daughter on her bank account, okay? 
So the, the daughter could write checks too and pay for bills and they could work together on their bills. And maybe the daughter took over as things as the person uh, uh, needed a, a little bit more help. When um, this lady passes away, uh, the house had a beneficiary deed on it. And that is a deed that avoids probate. Okay, we just get our little list of assets out. That one had a beneficiary deed. Don't have to go to probate yet. We're in good shape so far. Uh, bank account. Well, you know, I was always on my mom's account because I took care of it the last 10 years. We always worked together. And you're on as an owner? Uh, yes. Or it could have been as a pay on death, POD. Either way. Uh, okay. That doesn't have to go through probate. I believe on on both of those, those things, we're going to need the death certificate and we can get that transferred fairly efficiently. And she had a car and I never did anything about that. That's, that's as common a scenario in our office as, as you can get. Nobody wants to go down to the DMV even though they know they might be able to avoid probate. They never got down to the to the DMV to put a transfer on death designation on the car. And so we are often talking about, okay, well, we almost got there. And we did a pretty good, we did a, we did a good job, actually. We didn't do everything, but we did a good job. That car's probably not more worth more than 40000 uh-huh. Could be. It could be worth more, but it usually isn't. Um, uh, and I'll say it's not. Okay house we took care of through private means no year in probate no having to pay me thousands of dollars to get all this taken care of bank account you're on it that's going to be simple too daughter okay we're in good shape um car we need to go to the court bummer we need to go to the court but all we have to do is file us is file for a one-time court order because that car is worth worth less than forty thousand dollars and we'll have to we'll have to File the will as well, and the court will determine, yes, let's just say this particular daughter receives the car in the will, or everything goes to the daughter, or it goes to all three, doesn't matter. Uh, and you will get a court order that you can have probably within 30 or 45 days after death if you're really wanting to get this taken care of quickly. The court will issue a court order because that all that needed to go through probate was worth less than $40,000, this one car in our hypothetical. And... Um, We'll get that court order. And that's, you know, going to probate is not the end of the world, but that's certainly not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. We, did, we didn't quite get the car done. Mm-hmm. And usually it is when we do have to do a small state affidavit, it is typically just one little thing that kind of slipped through the cracks. Yeah. Is it easy enough for someone to, like say when they renew their license mm-hmm. every four years or whatever it is now, um, their driver's license, Correct. to have that little matter taken care of at that time? That's a completely different matter. I think you probably can, you know, I don't know. I think you can probably do that at the exact same office. But that's a different, getting your driver's license is a different matter. Than oh, having, yeah. I than understand getting that. A, yeah. But, I think it probably takes place at the same office. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We do a lot of ours by mail. So that, Okay. Yeah. Boy, it sounds like it'd be an easy fix sure. is for, if people were educated about doing that one little thing when they purchase a car. That's correct. Yes, and I would say as well, act like that's the most common thing in the world. It's also very common for people to get, get the heads up if they come into our office or get their heads up from someplace else and to get that transfer on death on the car. Absolutely. Yeah. But when it does slip through the cracks, the car is as, is as common oh, yeah. of, 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 of an asset as we have that, that makes yeah. us go get that court order. Well, we have to take a short break, but we are not done with this conversation because there's a lot more to talk about. So please stay with us. We are having a great conversation with Mark Easley of the Elder and Estate Planning Law Firm. We are hot and heavy into wills and trusts here. 
You are listening to the Aging Answers Show, and I'm your host, Gina March of the Mary Culver Home for Visually Impaired Women. We'll see you in a few minutes. Welcome back to the Aging Answers Show, where we discuss tips, trends, and topics for the 65-plus crowd. I'm Gina March of the Mary Culver Home for Visually Impaired Women. We are having a riveting conversation with Mark Easley of the Elder and Estate Planning Law Firm. Thanks, Mark, for being here. Yeah, we are. What kind of cost is there involved with probate? There is a statutory fee that the attorney and the person that's been named as the executor in the will is entitled to that statutory fee doesn't always have to be doesn't isn't always followed usually when someone comes in and, and we're doing uh, a probate for somebody usually when i think about statutory fee i think about that as being probably the most that we're going to charge you know i think typically when we we take a look at a project and say uh, okay we can get it done for this amount it's less than statute you know that's my first step is okay what statutory fee we can't go over that we can get this done for X amount less. Statutory fee is uh, uh, about 50-50 when executors choose to take a fee. Some say, you know, as my mom passed away, I'm doing this for my brothers. I don't own a fee. Uh, Mark, I'm dropping by your office and signing things that go to court. That's not that big a burden. So, And then sometimes they do, and they're certainly entitled to it. And sometimes they, sometimes they do have to do a healthy amount of work. Maybe the other siblings put them through it, you know, and say, you know, I'm thinking about taking my fee. And I was like, I would say, I don't blame you. You know, you did a lot of work here You're and you are entitled to it. Statutory fee is on the first hundred thousand dollars is, I believe, like three point three percent. I think it's thirty three hundred dollars. And as you get into uh, larger estates and when we say a larger estate in our office, typically doesn't get to a million dollars, you know, 300,000, 400,000, 500,000. That's very common. You can typically, as uh, an average, it goes down in percentage as it goes up. So as you get into the 200, 300, 400, guesstimate as you're you know, wanting to know how much it's going to be, two and a half, two and three quarters percent. And that is a chunk of hard-earned money. Mm-hmm. But that amount is typically not an amount when you're working together with somebody for a year to make sure things are right and getting it done that I've had any clients begrudge you in terms of what that fee is. So I don't think it, you know, yes, it is, it is, you know, a couple thousand dollars, three, four, five thousand dollars, but it's fairly rare that a client will say, well, that, that seemed like that was too expensive. Once they find out how much it truly is, that's usually not a big uh, sticking point in a client's mind. They say, yeah, that's, that seems about fair. So I think statutory fee is always fair. And as, as I was saying earlier, uh, we usually use that as a beginning point and usually, a lot of times charge less and on occasion we'll charge more. You, if you've got $200,000 in a CD and that's it, that's that's a fairly easy task for the attorney working with the executor to get all of that done. But $200,000 also could be a $20,000 CD and an $18,000 annuity and a, uh, a $45,000 little farm that's been in the family forever out in a county out in, out in Missouri and some savings bonds that weren't traded uh, not savings bonds, but stock that, uh, on a little bank in a small town that wasn't traded is not traded on any exchange. You know, you can get to two hundred thousand dollars in a couple of different ways. Some people come in and it's fairly straightforward, and it is not uncommon for a child to come in 
and the parent uh, is a child of the depression and they want to keep their money in min multiple banks. They, they want to keep their money in several different banks in case a bank fails. They want to be safe, right? Or they were a big believer in annuities. And if they were a big believer in annuities, it's not going to take long for someone to come by and say that they're willing to sell them an annuity. And they may have five or six annuities. So you can get to $200,000 or $300,000 in a couple of different ways. And so when a, a child, I'm using the hypothetical of a child trying to take care of a parent's estate after they pass away, it's not that uncommon for them to bring in the grocery sack of just stacks and stacks of statements. And we try to weed through them all and see, you know, no, that's a statement from 1997. And that's it from Boatman's Bank that hasn't been around forever. I don't think that's around anymore, but this one might be. And you got to do the follow up. And, and uh, you know, lo and behold, it was a dormant asset that still has some value. So they're, they're different size projects. $200,000 can, can, is, is not the end of the story in terms of the size of the project. Yeah. Sounds like it can get kind of complicated. Absolutely. I'm always, by the way, it's just a, as a bit of counsel here for free. I do always encourage my clients when they come in and we're going to handle an estate plan and we're going to avoid probate because we're going to use a living trust, which avoids probate. Let's get that out there right there. That There are ways to avoid probate. And even if you have, you know, some fairly complex ideas of where you want your property to go, as opposed to just putting a TOD on, on an estate. I always encourage my clients, in addition to considering a trust that would avoid probate, to starting to do some consolidation as well. Mm -hmm. People come in with 16, 17, 18 assets, and they're not even getting, the, and in a lot of ways, they're not even getting the psychological value of having that asset because it's an annuity that's a company that's out of Omaha. They've never touched it in years. You know, it's like a tree falling in the forest. And it's not even giving them the, the, that sense of peace because they kind of forget that they have. No, that's your asset. Let's get it in the family. Let's get it in the fold. Let's get it into a bank account that's here. You know, Mark, I'm almost out of money. I have, you know, $20,000 in my account. No, take a look at this list. That's a, that's a reason in and of itself to consolidate. Absolutely. Let's get the value out of your assets. You earned this. Let's get the good feeling that comes with it. And why don't you do your kids a favor after you pass away? Oh, yeah. You know, to make it a little more simple for them because it's going to be, it always is two to three times harder for somebody who didn't purchase all these things or didn't put their money in all these things to try to put a big old lasso around it and get it taken care of. If you'll do it ahead of time, have a checking account, have a savings account, and maybe have an Edward Jones account or some type of investment account for the other stuff. Tell me a, a, story, a good story that you have about one of your clients, how you help them turn some things around by coming to see you rather than saying having multiple assets everywhere that they don't have their hands around or you help them avoid probate. We love hearing stories on this oh show. Oh my gosh. You, I may have to come back to that. Let me give you a little here in a sec. But oh, sure. as, I, as we go through this interview, I will think, try to think of a story. I, don't, I can't think of anything right off my bat. I did have a client that had $1.1 in his checking account. And, in a checking account. Yeah. Guy didn't. Oh. So, one sentence, one sentence, good story, right? Wow, <laughs> getting a lot of uh, interest off of that, huh? He was a self made man, as you might imagine, where, where, where I'm going with self made man that built his and didn't live like he had that, as you might imagine as well, didn't live like he had that in his account. Right. Hard working guy, worked till the, till the day he died, uh, made his money. And I'm not even sure if I'm getting the right term right, but like, Tool and die, you know what I mean? He made yeah, things. He yeah. made things with his hands, and he did that for many years. And then he built a little shop, and he was the best at it. Fascinating, fantastic story. I mean, this guy, his life story. He didn't want to, you know, he didn't want to hear about much other than, you know, what was the next machine he was going to work on. So how did he end up in your office? He 
yeah, I mean, it fits in. It's not a fascinating story here, but it does fit into our conversation. He had heard he had heard about probate, and of course, this checking account was in his name only, so it was going to probate. And so we did put things together. And I think, if I recall correctly, knowing him, and this is not that uncommon, particularly for a good old old school client like this who wasn't going to trust any whippersnappers, you know, telling him what to do. I think it probably took a year for you know. He talked to me and then he came back and I want to talk about it again. And you know, how much do I pay you? No, don't worry about it. Just what are your questions? Give me your questions, man. Okay, I've answered your questions. The third time, you know, a meeting and a meeting six months later. And then about, you know, after a year after the first meeting, he came in and we put all that together and we avoided probate. Uh, you know, he said, well, you know, I had, you know, my estate plan was to keep all my money in my checking account and, and to, you know, have the right people on there. And that would take care of every, and, and he hadn't even done that. By the way, it was just in his name. And so, well, you know, I was like, as an estate planner, you have retained your amateur status. <laughs> so let's do this. So let's do this the right way. Oh, man. And, uh, that, and, and we did. And so we got it. And we, in his case, he had a, obviously a, a healthy amount of money, but it was a, all I was going to get him to do was the basics. So we did the basics. We did the did a basic, you know, a, a basic trust that, by the way, it voids probate. Yeah. You know, we yeah. So we didn't have to go to probate. He obviously would remain the trustee. If there was ever anybody who was going to retain the role of trustee after he passed away, it would be this guy. This guy was going to keep control until, <laughs> until every, you know, everybody told him he couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Fantastic. And I, I've got, I've got clients that fit that profile that are fantastic more often than, and I'm not sure I'm getting the word tool and die. He made things, you know, machines, yeah, he knew his stuff. Sure, sure. Hands were giant and permanently covered in grease and came in in coveralls, that kind of thing. We had clients that fit that profile quite a bit. Uh, a lot of more farmers. And, you know, that, that was more, that is more common was uh, farmers coming in. They're the ones who realize that they want to keep the money in the family. Right. And they worked hard for it, so yeah. they're not going to let it go. And they'll come into our office, but they never rush to our office. Yeah, it sounds like this guy in particular yeah, no, no, took, no, no. took a while to make a decision. I don't know if anybody rushes to our office, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so what is the average age, you think, of your client? We have two profiles. One is somebody that want, needs to get an estate plan. The kids are out of college. They're an empty nest. They're looking at getting an estate plan. They've been thinking, by the way, every day I hear this, we've been thinking about this for 10 years. That's probably somebody in their late 50s to their mid 60s. Clearly, it could be anybody of any age. It's time for us to get this taken care of. And then, as I said, there are kind of two, the big parts of our practice are the estate planning. And so, and that family's going to come in and we're probably going to talk about a living trust. In 2019, when you say you're getting a will, you should be more accurately saying, I'm going to get a trust. If you have, all you have is a will and property has to go through that will you are going to probate court. That's a big misconception. Just because you write it down into a will, that does not avoid probate. Great information, Mark. But you know what? We got to close it up for today. You left us with a great cliffhanger. I think we're going to have a part two of this show because this is such good stuff and such important stuff. I want to thank you for being on today. But folks, join us next week because Mark is going to be back because there's too much left we want to talk about. So Mark, how can people reach you if they want more information. I'm with the Elder and Estate Planning Law Firm, uh, which is located in Webster Grove. We are located at 8380 Big Ben Boulevard, Suite G, and our phone number is 314-918-0088. And say that phone number again. 314-918-0088. And you forgot to say that you're next door to the Art of Entertaining. Absolutely which if everyone knows where the bright pink building is, they can find you, right? 
That is correct. We use that as our uh, as our landmark very often. Yes, yeah. and a good one too, a very tasty one at that. Mm-hmm. Thank you to all our listeners for tuning in to the Aging Answers show today, where we discuss tips, trends, and topics for the 65 plus crowd. If there's a topic you'd like us to discuss, let us know. I'm Gina March of the Mary Culver Home for Visually Impaired Women, and I've been your host today. Join us every Monday from 1 to 1.30 with a repeat broadcast on Fridays from 1.30 to 2. And thank you for listening to KWRH LP Radio 92.9 FM.